0: For Health's Sake, A Simple Chat for Better Health. I'm your host, Donna Karras. These podcasts are a publication of Amory Hospital and Clinic, Hudson Hospital and Clinic, Lakeview Hospital, Stillwater Medical Group, and Westfield Hospital and Clinic. All are part of a nonprofit healthcare organization committed to enhancing community health. I'm talking with Brian Bartlett, Manager of Programs for Change in Hudson, Wisconsin. We are talking about ways to support a loved one who is recovering from addiction and ways to support ourselves. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Absolutely. Happy to be here. How do we educate ourselves about addiction and recovery? Best way to go about educating yourself is if your loved one happens to be working with some other professional, uh, whether that's a treatment program or an individual counselor or something like that, is to take advantage of any and all Uh, family service offerings that that program may have. Now, of course, we're we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and some of those offerings have been curtailed. But uh, historically, treatment programs in particular have always tried to include loved ones in the treatment of their patients. And so that would be the place to start. If that's not available uh, right now for, for lots of different reasons, the next best option that I would suggest is for a person to begin attending support group meetings of various types. One, people are very familiar with, uh, called Alcoholics Anonymous. AA, as it's known, has a couple different types of meetings that are available for people. The first is what are called open meetings, and this is a meeting where anybody can attend. You don't have to be concerned about your own use or wanting to quit or anything like that to attend an open AA meeting. And this is a place, this is a meeting where you can start to learn about addiction and recovery and, and those kinds of things. There are some other type of uh, support group meetings that are more religiously based, um, and some people's churches offer those, things like Quest 180 in the Eagle Brook Church, and then Celebrate Recovery, which is an explicitly Christian-based recovery program. And as far as I'm aware, those recovery programs allow people to attend to learn more about addiction and recovery. Lastly, if some of those things aren't an option for you, taking the time to learn through reading or listening to podcasts like this one. One book in particular that I could recommend is uh, called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts by Gabor Mate. It's about a Canadian physician who treats addiction in his practice, and it is fantastic in uh, helping people understand uh, addiction and what can happen for a person both physically and psychologically. How can we support sobriety? So the best thing that you can do to support sobriety is not enable behaviors that don't support sobriety. And so if I can uh, talk about a couple concepts at once, enabling is uh, doing things that protect somebody from the consequences of their actions, whereas support provides assistance for somebody to to better themselves or make a positive change. So for example, uh, it's pretty common for somebody with substance use problems that have lost their driver's license or maybe their job, they're in financial issues. And it would be enabling if I were to provide money when I can reasonably guess or even know that that person is spending it on uh, ongoing substance use. Whereas Support would be maybe providing a ride for somebody to attend a treatment program, maybe providing some financial assistance to take a taxi to a recovery program or support group meeting, uh, things like that. And so it's okay to support a loved one as they're trying to make a change into recovery, but it's also important to draw a line. And uh, if you are feeling overwhelmed or burnt out, it is perfectly acceptable to say, no, I can't do that, uh, whatever that is at the time. So how do we set boundaries and take care of ourselves? To uh, set boundaries and take care of ourselves, the first thing is to give yourself permission to prioritize yourself Oftentimes, uh, the loved ones of a person who's been uh, using substances addictively, they get lost in the mix. The family's life, the relationship becomes entirely about the person who's using their moods, their behaviors, and of course, their uh, sobriety level. And so uh, a big mind shift that somebody who is in a relationship, whether that's parent-child or romantic or even good friends with somebody who is... Inactive addiction or early recovery is to give yourself permission to prioritize yourself. Your needs, wants, and desires are okay too. In terms of uh, setting boundaries, it's a little bit like, for those of uh, you who are parents in the audience, remember back when your children were very little and you were trying to keep them alive. (laughs) You didn't want them to run out into the street or to fall out of a window or to jump out of a moving car or anything like that. And so it was constantly reminding them, no, that's not okay. No, this is what we're going to be doing instead. And As an adult, when we set a boundary, especially with somebody who we've never done that before or it's been a long time since we have done that, they're going to need some reminding, sometimes because they forget and sometimes because they're testing us about how serious this new boundary is. And so to set a boundary, we want to be calm, clear, and specific. This is what is okay in our relationship. It's okay to not explain it. And it's okay to keep repeating yourself on broken record, just like like I said when we were dealing with little kids about what's okay and what's not okay. You mentioned supporting without enabling. How do we know that we are doing that right? How do we know we're supporting without enabling? What do we encourage loved ones to look for is what... I call the the symptoms of sobriety. And so when a person enters recovery, especially working with a professional treatment program or even working in a recovery program like the 12 steps or celebrate recovery or something like that, is those of us who are around the person in recovery should start to notice some pretty significant changes in their behavior, how they approach the world. So, uh, of course, we would expect to see none of the signs of intoxication, slurred speech, poor vision, you know, wonky pupils, that kind of stuff. But also, in their behavior, we should expect to see increased honesty, increasingly taking responsibility for their actions, and potentially getting to the point where they start to apologize and uh, are willing to hear some of how their behavior has affected you, maybe inviting you to be a part of their a treatment program through the family sessions I mentioned earlier. When a person sees those symptoms of sobriety, that's when I encourage you really to, to jump in and to provide the kind of support that that person may need. Sometimes it's physical, it's needing a ride to a treatment program to go to a meeting. Maybe it's to use your phone for a little bit so they can attend an online or virtual meeting. Potentially, it is a loan or, or a little bit of a financial gift, though I know that that can be pretty dicey for some families, especially in the time of pandemic. But if you can provide the materials, things that they need to continue working on their recovery, that's all supported. In terms of emotional support, it's okay for you to ask them how they're doing. You know, are they, uh, how are they feeling about their recovery? How are they feeling about their life? Is there anything that you can do to be more supportive of that? And it's also okay, uh, by the way, to draw a line and say, I don't have anything left for you emotionally today. You have to use your other resources like an AA sponsor or your treatment group or other people from meetings or other supports. That's okay as well. So lots of different ways to provide support as a person enters recovery. What do we do if we suspect a relapse? So if you suspect a relapse, uh, one of the things to do, again, if the person is working with a professional treatment program, to contact that program and let them know about your suspicions. While all of us professionals have very tight privacy laws, and if the person hasn't given us permission to speak with you, we can't acknowledge that we know them. But We're always happy to listen, and so even if we can't acknowledge that we know who your loved one is, we'll take that information in, and uh, all treatment programs have the capacity for abstinence testing, whether that's uh, breathalyzers or what's called urinalysis testing as well as uh, being more skilled in challenging the person about their ongoing sobriety. If that's not available to you because the person you love isn't involved in a professional program, uh, what I would encourage you to do is at a time where you suspect that they are sober, to bring it up to them directly. As much as possible, not in an accusatory or spiteful way, but in a way that says, this is what I'm seeing. I'm concerned about you. I'm worried that you're experiencing a relapse of your health condition. And is there something that I can do to be supportive of you? Is there support available for the support person? There is lots and lots of it, though not as much as I would like. Many people are familiar with AA, the 12 steps that I talked about. There is a a companion program that sometimes people are aware of, and that's called Al-Anon. Al-Anon is for anybody who's been affected by somebody else's substance use. And so it doesn't have to be a husband, doesn't have to be a wife, doesn't have to be a parent or or a child of yours. If you've been affected by somebody else's use, Al-Anon is a support group that's appropriate for you. The 12 steps of Al-Anon, rather than working on sobriety... Help a person work on setting limits, setting boundaries, recognizing the things in their own life that they can't control, which include the person that they care about and their substance use. And so that's a, a great way to, to get support on an ongoing basis. The pandemic, uh, while it's been terrible in lots and lots and lots of ways, one of the benefits is a creation of online and virtual resources for support of sobriety and Al-Anon. Prior to the pandemic, not very many resources were available on an online or 24-7 basis. Now there is. A person can find an Al-Anon meeting from anywhere in the world and jump in and attend it when they feel like they need support. At a more professional level, Many individual uh, counselors are skilled in providing support and helping a person support themselves as they deal with addiction. I would encourage people to look for somebody who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in particular. uh, Those folks specialize in relationships. That's where their training is most deep. And uh, so if you want to go the professional route, that would be something I would encourage people to look for as well. Great information. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening.